Hey, y'all, this is part two out of three for the Be Less Petty about relationships, infidelity with Anita Chapala. Thank you guys for tuning in. Here we go. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot happening. I mean, I I take not responsibility for the action in any way, but I take partial responsibility for the lack of communication and the emotional withdrawal because we had just lost our 15 month old daughter. You know, like it was not even a year it, well, it was about a year, maybe about a year after. And in my mind, because Mike wasn't her biological child, I literally had this idea of, like, you don't have the right to grieve. You know what I mean? Like, kind of mm-hmm. like, what do you, you didn't, you don't know what this feels like. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair. Like, in so many ways, he knew what that felt like. Cause he was there every step of the moment right. for her life. And so just in, like he said, in hindsight, right, reflecting back, looking at it, it's just like, oh, shit. Um, there was a lot that happened with just the way I was dealing with it emotionally, uh, my withdrawal, um, lack of sex. Uh, I mean, there were just so many factors that contributed to it, which is why when people was like, how can you be with somebody that cheated on you or how could y'all stay together? It's like because I'm willing to con- to look at the reality of it. I'm not going to cloud my mind with all of these ideas of what I think the cheat was or his mm-hmm. attachment to it. I'm going to look at what's really happening in our life and try to decipher where things went wrong from that. But I, I think that's awesome that you do that because a lot of, like some of the work is, it's like you're not taking responsibility for the cheating, but you are taking responsibility for the marriage. And again, that's a that's also a big piece of making sure that this doesn't happen again. You know? Yeah. Well, it won't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Thank you. No. But I mean, that's just because I'm more at peace with myself, right? I have a much better understanding of... Um, of myself and you know and I've given myself different tools to mm-hmm. um to be able to kind of identify my thoughts figure those out and understand how much are reality based and how much are just kind of thoughts in my head right so <clears throat> and also I, I just you know I don't have a I don't really have a desire like that to um I I'd rather put that effort into strengthening our marriage versus putting effort into something that could potentially damage our marriage. Right. And that communication piece is important. Uh, that's why like, I was asking if you you know, did communicate, because sometimes my clients will be like, well, I did bring it up once or twice, you know, whatever they were mm-hmm. unhappy about in the marriage. And you know, the partner's like, I either don't recall it or, you know, when were you asking me when I was taking care of the house and work and the kids and, you know, it didn't really register. And so a lot of times it is like making sure that you, whatever it is that is bothering you or you're unhappy about conveying it to your partner in a way that they get it. Because mm-hmm. if they don't get it, you have to keep repeating it or saying we need to go to a counselor because um, sometimes people just they they have this disconnection or miscommunication that they don't they don't understand each other. And yeah. for the other partner to really, really listen and try to understand without getting defensive. And that's, and that's hard. Difficult. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that is so hard. Difficult. Yeah. But that's where, you know, I mean, again, there's just like so many things here. But, you know, to 
like respecting your partner for their needs or like their needs could be different. Like you guys are two different people. There's no way that everything that you need in a marriage or relationship is going to be the same. Yeah. You know, and so even just and this is even this doesn't even mean sexual needs, but just like anything like mm-hmm. some a lot of the, you know, issues in a relationship are things that couples have to continually negotiate and compromise on because it's not like there's one solution to these problems. It's not like, you know, oh, we're just going to do this black and white, have this, you know, sex two times a week, and that's it. It's like that's not how marriages work. Right. Yeah. And then if you miss a week, does that, like, roll over? Do you get those (laughs) points back? Like, how do you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the communication is important. And I understand it's very difficult for people to do that. And I think what what helps a lot with Mike and I is, uh, and I'm totally putting words in his mouth, um, is that we see the effort. You know, now, like, I before, um, I wasn't even looking for the effort. You know, it's just like I have in my mind what this what this marriage was, and he may have had in his mind what it was, and it was no like looking for the small signs of the things that he he do that clearly accommodates me. You know, and so it's mm-hmm. like that makes me more willing to do or want to do things that I may not want to do, you know, like sexual or quickies or something, you know, even if I'm not in the mood, it's like, I'll I'll just, I'll do it because there's so much sacrifice. And it's not like one of those, don't think it's like, oh, I'll do it, you know, but it's just willing to do it because there's so much that sacrifice on his end as well that takes pressure off off of me, which goes back to the communication episode. We we talked about that a little bit when you call me out um, <laughs> I thank you for that call <laughs> but yeah I'm starting to realize that and even like earlier when I said I don't have to want what you want mm-hmm. in order to do it you alone is worth it right, right. it's like there's going to be times where you're going to want something that I don't want to do but because I love and want you and am willing right. to make you happy then I'm going to do this thing this this reminds me of a client. The wife uh, in session said, "Anita, I just want him to want to do the dishes." <laughs> and we all just cracked up. And I go, "I don't think that's a realistic goal." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "I don't think that that matters. I think the fact that you stated to him it's important for me that you do the dishes." And she, it was you know him helping around the house was the way that she felt loved. I'm like, the fact that he knows this very clearly now and is willing to do it is enough. And that's that's good enough. And he doesn't have to love it. And it applies, I think, in a lot of areas of marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like what we're talking about. Like, it's not like you're always going to be gung-ho to do the things that your partner does. And that's okay. And I think we have to have really realistic expectations around marriage. And it's not that, you know, you have to be constantly in love with each other, be always in tune or whatever you know but it's having that ongoing dialogue and continually sharing especially you know as you're getting older or changing you know we don't want to assume like you're going to be the same person yeah because you should that's important right grow and change and and think differently and you know because you're learning new things every day so i don't want the mic i met you know what I mean? because that would suck to have that same dude that mm-hmm. has not changed in any way and and i actually want to go back to your your statement when you mentioned that you were putting words in my mouth, a um, little bit you were, <laughs> um, because I I don't actually look at it as I don't I don't look at the willingness. That's good, but I actually understand more 
now. So I don't look at things in a negative way. And then at the same time, I also have so many other things to be grateful for within our marriage, within our family, within life, that the lack of, I'm going to air quote that, <laughs> right, the lack of anything isn't necessarily a priority of mine. Um, yeah. The priority really is around the things that are we, we're, we're collectively doing well together. Um, and so, and then the things where we fall short, I, I do a better job at trying to understand where those things are coming from. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I, I you know, the willing, willingness is kind of, to me is, is a, I don't know, it's something uncomfortable with that term. It has mm -hmm. a bad feeling to it. Um, so I don't, I, I don't want to necessarily associate myself with that. Oh, I'm super associated with <laughs> like because I, I really do feel like in most relationships that I've been in and, and if it felt like a person wasn't willing, mm -hmm. then it's pointless. It's it's literally pointless because if you don't even have the desire to try. Then we'll never get to another a new a new space in our relationship and our connection. And so as long as that willingness is there, it doesn't have to come out initially. Right. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you're willing. Great. Now you're going to start doing it. That doesn't have to happen immediately, but mm -hmm. just to know that it may happen one day is enough hope for me to keep pushing through, you know? And I've kind of mm -hmm. always had that idea, shit, since I was a teenager, you know, even with, like, my dad, right? I forgave so much of my dad's absence because of the constant, air quotes, willingness, you know, that, mm -hmm. that he would would show, whether it happened or not, you know what I mean? I was, like, always willing to to allow that to be a thing because he was willing and when i think i think about what you just said um and one of the i, I listened to it let me just give y'all a heads up i listened to a lot of youtube stuff on relationships <laughs> and infidelity today so i wrote down some stuff uh i'm not i'm not sure exactly who said what but i wrote down stuff and one of the things that uh one of them said was value the relationship more than the perfect execution of the idea and i think that's what Mike was just saying just now about how there's so many other things to be thankful for within our marriage and what we have, our connection, that if one thing happens or something goes wrong, that doesn't define the entire the entire situation, you know. And um, I think Dan Savage made a comment where he said, um, if you've been with this wife for 25 years, you got a house, you got kids, you got all this stuff you guys have built you have memories you have pictures you have all of this and then he gets a hand job on a business trip it's like oh moral cheater you're you're out you know what i mean right. it's like it's like you can't you can't do that like i mean you can but right. it's like how how can you literally say this <laughs> it, it just, just washes all the rest of that down the drain it's like no people <laughs> you know have needs and desires and they make they make situational Right. Exceptions sometime. And it may it may unfortunately hurt you, but yeah. that doesn't mean that they're a bad person morally because of it. And people believe in the myths. Like, I think you got some what, backlash from your friends or family. Like, oh, how yeah. could you still stay with him? Because uh, anytime I do any kind of interview around infidelity, I always ask get asked the question, Anita is once a cheater, always a cheater. True. I was going to ask you that. Thank <laughs> you for bringing that up. <laughs> and I, I disagree. I mean, I think there is a percentage of people who will cheat and they have no remorse when they do it. I do believe there are people out there. I've had a handful in my practice over the years. 
Um, but I do think most people, once they realize how they fell into it or why they did what they did, how to prevent it from happening again, they they have a different mindset and one that protects their relationship, and then they don't end up cheating again. Okay. So I do not believe once a cheater, always a cheater. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, I mean not that, like not that I would not know if <laughs> I think that's I think you're right. I think. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I think about that, though, the, like the idea of monogamy, right? Is that is that like an old tradition? Is that just is that like an old way of thinking about? Uh, that's such a loaded question. Um, in my experience, I mean, I, I've heard both sides where people, you know, talk about people are not monogamous; it's not possible. And then I have. Uh, other people who say, yeah, we're wired for connection and to feel special to one person. And I think just seeing what infidelity does to my clients and how they didn't cheat because they had one foot out the door. They didn't cheat because they wanted to leave the marriage. Like they still, you know, love their partner. They loved the the marriage, the life that they had. Um, it would be an easy out for them then or to say, hey, I don't, you know, I, I need an open marriage or just constantly get divorced and then find someone else. But my clients aren't doing that. They want to stay with one person. They want to grow old together. They want to build that life and develop that connection and everything. So I, I don't have a easy answer for you. And I don't think there is a right answer because I think it also just depends on people and each individual couple and what works yeah, for them it seems like monogamy i mean it I, I think it's a mindset of a person and then at, then from there collectively as a couple it seems like because you can define a marriage or you know that's why i think you and i were talking about infidelity right and we were talking i was like well infidelity seems like you know if somebody, if if a, if, a, if a couple, if a married couple makes a decision to have an open marriage, is it really considered infidelity? Because it's, I mean, it's kind of a decision that's being made, and and I and I don't think that one is bad and one is good, right? If they make that the decision to have an open marriage, and however that open marriage looks, it could look many ways. Um, then that's really not that's. That's it's no different than saying, hey, let's go watch a movie, right? Or let's go and do this. It's just it's based on that person and that couple's decision. The way but, they function, yeah. right? But even an open marriage, uh, I mean, I, I think something that might be relevant to a lot of people is actually even defining micro cheating, mm -hmm. because that is, I think, very not that it's more common than you know, an open marriage, but like micro cheating is kind of the term that's been coming up over the last couple of years around what are small behaviors that a person can engage in that could potentially be or be not cheating. Mm -hmm. And I've been asked about that a lot. And I go, you have to define it with your partner, just like something like open marriage. If you have an agreement and you have rules around an open marriage, then I wouldn't consider that to be cheating if it's agreed right. upon, you know, but what gets people into trouble is that they don't talk about it and then can start engaging in these like behaviors where they start kind of falling down this slope into breaking trust. And I, I do distinguish between behaviors that break trust and what you would consider to be cheating. Right. 
you know, but I think the important thing is here, please, please, please define it with your partner. And even just like what would be, I don't know, rules or boundaries or like what your expectations are. But let's say you have a close friend, you know, and depending on your sexual orientation, same sex or opposite sex, does your partner know about them? Like, do they, uh, you know, have, have they met them? Do they know they're not a threat? You know, what are you sharing about your relationship with outside people? Yeah. Because that kind of stuff is so important and people just think, well, we love each other or we go to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not going to protect you from having an affair. It just yeah. won't. When Mike and I first met, he had a slew of female friends. Like that's really all he had was female friends and then like some sprinkles of some male friends. And I would go to his parties. It would just be I women. I have a big group of male <laughs> friends. Well, I'm saying like what I saw when we first, <laughs> your, 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 your women friends was way larger than your male friends. I group. just didn't feel like going to comedy shows with men. Okay, not only did he come to comedy shows with women, but just even his parties would be filled with women. Right. You know, like he would have, he would love to throw like house get togethers and he would cook and do all this, you know, and he would have all these female friends. And I had to really, man, I had to really have a conversation with myself because (laughs) prior relationships, that was not okay. I didn't trust it. I didn't trust them, the intentions of the woman. It was just a lot for me. And so something I had to even check myself on is like I would be at his his party, right, at his house, and then a chick would start picking up shit, and I'm like, you don't need to clean up. I don't need you to do that. You know what I mean? And it's like mm-hmm. I'm getting defensive, almost like a dog. This is my space. I've, I've peed here. This is my space. You right. don't touch anything. But she's just being helpful because— right. Some were being helpful. Some were. Some, were. Some was trying to get at Some you. Some were trying. I know. I was watching them bitches. Uh, <laughs> but he had a lot of female friends. And what what put me at ease was him expressing that up front. Like, I think date one, probably, we yeah. talked about it. He was Because I was like, yeah, you keep showing up at the comedy show with a different chick. And he was like, well, I have a lot of female friends. Like, we're just, we're just friends. And that's what it is. And by him expressing that, it would be times where, you know, later in our marriage, you know, years down the line, and he would be on the phone with a female for a long time because yeah. maybe she's going through something or whatever, and he's just in there cackling and talking and, you know, chatting it up. And I never got offended by that. Like, why is he talking to her for so long? Or what is that about? Right. Like, I never took that personal because I was like, well, this is just who Mike is to some of his, to some of his female friends. He's that guy that they call when they want to chat about something or they need advice from a male perspective or they just want to catch up like this is okay and I never got offended by that and I think it was because we established that early on like this is what it is well your open and honest communication like having that transparency uh, and that is actually one of the ways that couples can prevent infidelity from happening but that's also scary for people. Like, I'll ask my couples, would you tell your partner if you were growing attracted to someone at work? And they're like, are you crazy? Like, I can't tell them that. I'm like, but that's exactly what I'm asking you to do. Not in a disrespectful way, but just, and again, I'm not saying if you see someone down the street, you're like, oh, that person's so hot. You know, not that. <laughs> like, hey, <babe>. Just, <laughs> just so <laughs> right? you know. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not that, but like if you're at work, because again, I mean, the workplace still common, you know, breeding grounds for affairs. But like, you know, there's just something about, you know, Johnny down the hall. And I don't know, he just keeps coming around my desk a little bit more. But it's having that awareness 
of, okay, is this person, you know, a threat or are they friend of the relationship? And where you start, like, maybe taking those, you know, steps further down the slope. But talking about attractions, one, it's healthy. We're all human. We're going to be attracted to other people. And being able to create the environment in your relationship where you could actually share honestly without having repercussions so even like if you um you know if you reacted angrily or every time Mike told you that uh you know oh I'm hanging out with so-and-so and you lost it then guess what he, he would create secrecy because he'd stop telling you because he doesn't want to deal with your reaction yeah, yeah. but because you're like open to it or I even tell my clients like please I would rather you say this is very hard for me to hear but thank you for being open and honest with me like they your partner does have a right to know or should know if something is emotionally difficult for you to take but they but you want to keep that open and honest communication and like for both of you to be transparent and that is key because one of the key reasons uh like the allure of an affair is secrecy mm -hmm. just makes things so much hotter than it would if it was out in the open right yeah, yeah it also creates a lot of anxiety though. <laughs> yeah mike he didn't but i don't like that well. well he didn't do it that well at all <laughs> i don't not like which anxiety. was another reason why i knew that it was like not something that would keep being a reoccurring because it was really difficult for him yeah and i just saw it like is yeah, I've made a decision in my life to keep my space pretty clear of anxiety. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to come up <clears throat> just through natural occurrences. Mm -hmm. But if I can control it, <laughs> if I can control my environment, then there's certain elements that I choose to keep out of it. Yeah, but you're also sharing the, you know, because, again, people sometimes only see the best of, like, an affair or... You know, and like you could see the negative impact that it has on you too, especially when it gets, I don't know if it was like getting more serious or that's when you had more anxiety. No, my anxiety was, starts, my anxiety typically starts when I'm telling a lie mm -hmm. um, because I'm always worried about getting caught. Right. Uh, I don't think the anxiety picked up. No, I think I had high anxiety, but I was also drinking and smoking. Yeah. I was also I was also dealing. I was I don't want to say I was drinking that anxiety away. Sure. That's what I do. Um, so it's hard. It would be hard for me to really put my finger on like how anxious I was getting during certain times. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know how much anxiety was. I I noticed more reactional aggression mm -hmm. around when I started questioning about it, you know, the, the yeah. relationship, when I started saying like, oh, this is this, and then he would be like, no, it's not, and I'm like, yes, it is, and then that back and forth is when I would get the aggression, which yeah. was never his style, you know what I mean? He was never the kind that just kind of aggressed you for asking questions, if anything. He'd be like, you know, very sensitive about it, like, that's yeah. not what this is, which triggered a lot for me, right. because I'm like, oh, your behavior is changing around questions that you would have never been uh, defensive about before which tells me that this is more than and that's really what led me down the trap of just needing to find out I mean I have a very strong intuition but aside from from her being there I also just could tell in his behavior and it's so funny how many men don't realize that they change that they do things <laughs> they don't even notice that they are aggressive now or standoffish or 
hiding their phone or, you know, little things like that. Because for, for a long time, we had the exact same phone. It was times where I would leave and accidentally grab, grab his, his phone yeah. and, he, and he'd be like, I got your phone. You got my phone. I need numbers out of there. You know, and it's like we would have this funny little laugh about it. But then it became, a, I don't know your password anymore. Right. And let me like, can I get your password? It's like, let me put it in. You know, it's like, or what do you need out of here? It's like those kind of questions. You're like, oh, this is something else. This I need to explore this a little bit more, yeah. you know, and it was just really behavioral, the aggression. And so I think that's what also created the anxiety is like he knew that I was closer to knowing, like he said, when he's when no, he my, my anxiety, you know? <laughs> my anxiety has nothing to do with you. Right. My anxiety was has everything to do with me and how much I can deal with. Yeah. I, don't, I don't I wouldn't I, I couldn't say that during certain times that I, you know, it was, it was a high anxiety moment because I just wasn't comfortable with the situation already. Yeah. But when you, uh, cause it's interesting cause some of my clients were like, Oh, I just didn't think I would get caught, you know, but here you're saying that. You well, were- I wanted out of the marriage. Got it. I wasn't looking to stay in the marriage at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I, I wanted to be left alone. I didn't at that time. I was just like, I want, I don't want to be married to you. And I made that very clear to her. Um, now, was that really what I wanted? Probably not. Um, in hindsight today, mm-hmm. no, it's ab- absolutely not. And, you know, I'm very happy with the decision to stay together and to work through what we worked through because um, because we had a connection. We've always had a connection, you know, from the time we met. And it would be a shame to let all of that go. Mm-hmm. And also, it would be a shame to... Um, to allow any situation or to not be able to work through certain situations and create a stronger marriage, create a stronger bond. So I'm very thankful for that. But at the time, I wanted out of the marriage. If you could redo what, you know, like redo your, I don't know, marital problems or whatever, like what would you do differently instead of? I would have started on working on myself before I met Kelly. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of this has nothing to do with Kelly or with the other person. Um, a lot of this had to do with a lot of unhappiness that I was having with myself. And and so if I was going to redo anything, it would be to get therapy early or to start meditation, which I, I don't I don't think either one of us were doing that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just focus on loving myself more mm-hmm. because that could have probably prevented a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I wasn't focused on loving myself at all. I was focused on paying attention to everything external of me, right? And that's my job, money, you know, and even even meeting Kelly, right? It wasn't it wasn't because of loving myself. It was because I was trying to do for somebody else. Right. And that eventually y'all caught up to me. So that's that is what I would do. There's nothing. I mean, the communication, I think I, I agree that there's these things we can communicate. But at the end of the day, if if I'm not good with myself, I don't I can communicate to her all day, but I'm still unhappy. So that's the thing that I probably would have that that if I was going to look back and say, hey, Mike, you know, 30 year old Mike or 20 year old Mike, what what you know, what should you have done differently? It's love yourself more find develop new tools to focus on that to control your thoughts um you know and it would be more along those those lines 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's beautiful. Uh, I also just, because sometimes my clients, um, even sometimes my singles, they think, well, I have to be perfect and I have to love myself completely before I can meet someone. And my answer to that is it depends because I think we could learn so much about ourselves in relationship with somebody else or through the eyes of someone else. So um, I think it's okay to have some, and I'm going to say healthy dependency on someone else, maybe sometimes being like your cheerleader or uh, reflecting, mirroring, you know, the things that maybe you don't see yet in yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, that's just kind of like my bias where I think, because we're always going to be growing or your, you know, your self-love journey. I mean, I don't know if there's like an end point to that, right? Because it's constant work that we have to be doing. And I think sometimes a relationship can help with that too. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, go ahead. Nathan. No, go ahead. I, I definitely think that the infidelity uh, triggered me to love myself more, like the situational thing. I don't know if I would have um, gotten there as quick mm-hmm. <laughs> or if I would have put as much effort into my self-care as I did once I moved out because we end up, it, it got so bad where the arguments were like daily. He was right. sleeping in the basement. I was sleeping upstairs. We were like strangers, like mm-hmm. barely talking to each other unless it was about the children. And um, I got an apartment, moved out. And that is what really pushed me to start meditating and working on myself and saying, you know, you obviously don't love yourself enough to allow somebody to treat you this way and not want out you know what I'm saying like why do you even want to still be with somebody that's treating you like this and that's when I started questioning myself and at that time my daughter had already passed away so I know it wasn't her her passing because originally I was like oh her passing is what triggered my self-care but her passing triggered my silence I started to work a lot and Mm -hmm. started to deny a lot of my emotions and my feelings and then when that happened the infidelity is what triggered my questions about my self-love because for, for the first, for probably like a couple months in the situation, it was about me. You know, he wasn't doing it purposefully. That was his way of just dealing with it in his own mind. But it was about me not being sexy enough, me not dressing a certain way, me not being the woman he met me not. And now, and I would get these attacks and I started to hate myself. I started to hate who I had become. And I started to hate, I started to, do different styles with my hair, trying to be a different woman. You know what I mean? And and I started to, like I said earlier, is I started to lose self-respect for myself because I was doing these things to try to fit the image of what I thought he wanted. And that's when I realized, like, oh, oh, you don't love yourself. You don't care about yourself enough to just mm-hmm. be you. And And so I wanted to kind of go back to my point about that. Because I wasn't because I didn't really love myself at the time, and wh- which is why I say that would be the thing I did differently, I was looking for all of these other things that really weren't even desires of mine. They were desires based on a social standard or based on something that I thought I wanted. Right. But in actuality, it, it wasn't not at all what I wanted. Because today my wife doesn't wear heels. My wife doesn't necessarily. I can't. I hurt my foot. But I'll, no, but even besides that, it just she wouldn't wear. She doesn't wear heels in general. She doesn't mm-hmm. like to wear them. Right. <laughs> and 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 she doesn't necessarily dress the sexiest, but I have I don't care today. Right. And that's because there's a much different understanding of what I want mm-hmm. and and what I what I enjoy versus all of these external factors that really had nothing to do 
with my level of happiness or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say that it, it's it's if there was anything like that, that's where I would have to start because I can I can back then if you were to ask me what could I have done differently, I could have I could have communicated it much differently. But in my head at that time, I had no idea. Right. All I knew was, oh, I want you to be like this. I want you to dress like this. I want you to I want you to act like this. How come you don't go out with me? How come you don't drink like, you know, you don't drink with me? But these aren't even real topics. And and so to say that, you know, I, that's what I could have communicated. It, it wasn't even a real communication. Right. It was just it was it was a uh, it was a false identity. And um, so that that's why, again, I'll just kind of go back. That's why I said that's why I, that's where I would have to start. Yeah. A very special thank you to Lisa Beasley, our producer with She Funny, as well as Teresa Stewart. Her company is Colored. She's responsible for all of our new branding and design and Cards Against Humanity for this donated studio space.